0: One of my favorite jokes of all time, and I'm going to have to ask you to forgive me ahead of time because it's kind of a do-you-know kind of a joke. Um, Did you hear about the butcher who backed into the meat grinder? Did you hear about the butcher who backed into the meat grinder? He got a little behind in his work. I tell you that's that joke because this morning we're talking about endings. We're talking about endings. We have come to the end of the Lord's prayer in the gospel according to Matthew. And since uh, we're talking about endings, we probably ought to begin with prayer. So join me in a prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that we would now become great students. We would continue to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn how and to talk with you who love us more than we could ever imagine. We pray that the Holy Spirit would take the words that are on these pages and write them on our hearts, that we would become more like Jesus. And we pray that if there would be anything that would hinder that happening, that you would remove it. For we've come to see Jesus, to be taught by Jesus, and to leave here more looking like Jesus. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. As I shared a little bit ago, we've taken two months. It was uh, a group of folks that are really looking at taking a deeper walk with Christ. And it was with the session that we decided to begin 2022, with a focus on prayer and utilizing uh, the Lord's Prayer, and and something that it's for many of us has become so rote that we would slow down and become students uh, of the Master, learning how to communicate with the Father as Jesus did. Because his disciples, Jesus' disciples, when they saw the way Jesus talked to his heavenly father, they said, we want to do it like you do it. And so they asked him. So today we're looking at the very end of the Lord's prayer found in Matthew chapter six, verse 13, and it ends with this and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever." Amen. Now here's the problem. We're looking, we say words of the Lord's Prayer that in your Pew Bible, the ESV version, and in the NIV, the New International Version, those words are not there. If you were to go to the NIV or the ESV, the ones that we've passed out, you would find Matthew 6, 13 ends like this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, period. Now, to show you the difference, I, I took a Bible app, and I know you can't read it, so we're going to zoom into verse 13. On one side is the ESV or the NIV. Those are the same, and on Uh, On on my right, uh, it says that there's a line that's added at the end. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, if it's not printed in our Bibles... Why is it not in our Bibles that we have in the pew? And if the words are not there, why do we pray them? How can there be a Bible with two different versions? The, the version, the longer version, is the King James and many other translations of the Bible. You, you have a discrepancy in the scriptures at this point. Now, why? Why is there a discrepancy? Well, I want you to know that there are about 5,600 pieces of manuscript of the original manuscripts that we have. And there's about 139 of the New Testament of this text. Some include it and some do not. In fact, scholars would take these original manuscripts and and when they put them together, they have a set here, early manuscripts that do not have it and they have later manuscripts that, that do and some of the earlier ones do. So how do you, what do you do? The NIV and the ESV say, we're gonna look at these early manuscripts and we're going to focus on what they say And other translations say, no, we're going to take these Greek manuscripts and focus on what they say. So as we're caught in the middle of this, what do we do? Is is that ending valid? And scholars would say, absolutely. It is valid without reservation or qualification. It should be seen as the word of God. Well, how can the Bible be different right there? Well, you you need to understand that the Bible, that Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer twice that we know of that are written down, once in the Gospel of Matthew, once in the Gospel of Luke, and the words are a bit different. We also know that Jesus talked about prayer more than once and would focus on different things more than once so what do we do with this how do we get to the heart of what jesus said and does it matter now remember jesus does not give us these magical words as a magical incantation in fact Before he gives the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he says this in verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. As you pray, it's not this rote memorization of empty words. We studied the." Lord's Prayer, so that we could be students of how to communicate with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus gives us several examples. I believe that the, these final words should be there for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Because I believe that if, in Matthew, because if you remember Matthew 6, from Matthew 5 on, for couple of chapters, Jesus is dealing with the kingdom of God. The theme is the kingdom of God. It's where the Beatitudes come and what the kingdom is like. And the Lord's Prayer in Matthew comes in that section of the kingdom of God. So for Jesus to use and to talk about the kingdom of God at this point makes a lot of sense. He begins the prayer as you... Remember in the vertical relationship, our father who art in the heavens, hallowed, holy, other be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is there. Then we have the horizontal section where it says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive others. And then it ends in one of the versions, a couple of them, with talking about um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, why I think that's not a good place to end is because it ends with our focus on temptation and evil. I think the way that we would end prayers would not be with that kind of an ending, but what Jesus would do is to take us back to that vertical relationship. That evil does not have the last word. And the crescendo at the end of the prayer, as, as we face difficult times, temptation and evil, we are reminded, though, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and ever. This is a doxology that ends Back to the vertical relationship, that this horizontal relationship of what it's like to live in this world with its brokenness does not have the last word, but we're we're redirected back to the vertical, to who has the power, to the kingdom that is coming, and the glory that belongs to God. This is a doxology, and we doxa means glory, and ology is a study of or words of this. Prayer takes us back to the vertical, to the glory of God. That's why I think it belongs in there. And I think, where does that ending come from? How, how is it? Why is it there? And, and, and some scholars would take you back to 1 Chronicles, to David, that David, listen to how he prays Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Does that sound familiar? And certainly the Holy Spirit that would put these words in David to recognize the power and glory that evil and temptation does not have the last word, but God has the last word. Certainly the Holy Spirit that was influencing David would also influence and help us to understand through the words and the life of Jesus. I believe we need that doxological ending I believe it also shows us the pattern of the Bible. In the beginning of Genesis, we start with the glory of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light. Now, I want you to know, if you are a student of the scriptures in Genesis The sun doesn't begin, isn't created to day four. I I believe it's day four, the sun and the moon. So where is the light coming from? It's the glory of God. Let my glory be shown in the darkness. Genesis begins with that. And then throughout scripture, we have the way that we are to live horizontally with each other. And the love of Christ that's found in us because of Christ's death and resurrection, and then in the book of Revelation, it ends with the fact that there is no need for the sun or the moon because the glory of God, it takes us back from the vertical. Genesis begins with the vertical. In the middle of Scripture is the horizontal. In the book of Revelation, it goes back to the vertical. I believe Jesus' prayer follows that pattern. And that the end of our prayers we would always take it back to the Lord. That our prayers would not end with the difficulties that we face. The Lord's prayer gives us a perspective. Without this ending, it ends. Lord, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if there's ever a time we need the ending to the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Prayer, it is now. For isn't that ending the cry of the Ukrainians as we speak? Lord, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And what is the world doing? We're waiting to see if they will be delivered from evil. And there's a limited amount of help going. And so when you turn on the TV or the news in the morning, you're wondering, did the country fall? Did evil win? And we're left with I don't know. Do you and I want to live our lives wondering every day if evil is going to win in our lives and in our world? Is that the kind of prayer that God would have us pray this questionable ending? Deliver us, hopefully, from the difficulties we face, I believe that ending is crucial. That at the end of our prayers, no matter how difficult the, the thing that we're facing, the situation that we're facing, I believe Jesus wants us to know that situation does not have the last word no matter how evil and difficult it can be. I believe we need that ending. We need that reminder in the midst of our difficulties That evil and temptation will not reign, will not have the last word. There is not a question of what's going to happen in the end for us. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the power. And for thine is the glory. Now and forever. Amen? Amen. 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 We must have faith. I hope you end your day in that same way. I hope you begin your day with the vertical relationship with your heavenly Father, with your Lord and Savior, with the Spirit of God who resides in us. I hope we live our day out in relationship with each other as we begin our day recognizing our heavenly Father. And then I hope at the end of the day that the difficulties of the day do not have the last word and you don't carry them to bed with you. But you say, Lord, in the midst of the difficulties of this day, thank you. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory. forever. And ever. Amen. Now, I invited folks to, uh, to write some questions that we would end our, 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 our uh, deal with during the prayer and, and, and after. That, that maybe you had questions about prayer or the Lord's um, prayer. And uh, one of the questions that was handed me is uh, Do you have to end? Why do we end with the word amen? Is that kind of the punctuation word that allows us to dig in as soon as amen is done? Is is it just a word of punctuation? It is not. It is a word that at the end of your prayer, you're pouring out your heart to the Lord. It's Lord, so be it. I am in 100% with what I am saying. Amen is so be it. We say it together because collectively we pray together. It means we're in agreement together. And then another one would say, my neighbor said sometimes she prays to the Father, sometimes to Jesus. Some folks pray to the Holy Spirit. Does it make a difference? How do you begin your prayers? Is it the same every time? Do you pray to the full body of the Trinity. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. 95% of the prayers in the Bible are to the Father, to God the Father. So, so that one seems to be okay. 5% of the prayers in the Bible pray to Jesus. So if you add those together... There's not a prayer that I know necessarily in the Bible that prays to the Holy Spirit. Is that still okay? Let's close in prayer. (laughs) Let's look at the Father first. Jesus said these words, Pray then in this way, Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus says you can pray to the Father. He also said to his disciples, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So again, Jesus says the Father is okay. So if 5% are prayer to Jesus, is that okay? Well, we know that when Jesus was on the earth, the disciples came and asked him for a number of things. People asked him, pray, will you heal me? Will you do this? So asking Jesus, absolutely. Absolutely. So what about, and in fact, Jesus said to the disciples, uh, next slide, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so that's, that's Jesus, Father, uh, God. Uh, what about the Holy Spirit? Now, oh, that's an interesting thing, that, uh, because the Bible doesn't necessarily give an indication But we know from the Nicene Creed that great theological term, homoousius. Homo is same, usius, stuff. The church understands the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to do the same stuff. When you pray to one, you actually are incorporating all three. And there are folks that pray Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I think it's valid to pray. Holy Spirit, but know that the job of the Holy Spirit is to intercede. The job of the Holy Spirit is to bring our requests. The job of the Holy Spirit is to pray in ways when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. That's all scripture would, 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 I mean, all that is valid. So, Here's a a formula that you might just think about in prayers, why all three are important. Prayer is addressed to God the Father. Prayer is offered in the name of Jesus Christ. And prayer is in and through the Holy Spirit. So all are involved in this aspect of prayer. One doesn't necessarily take precedent over the other because the Trinity, they are all one, but there are actions that scripture points us to that they would each have. Somebody else said, do we need to pray in Jesus' name? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Why does Jesus tell us to pray in Jesus' name? It says in John 14, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Is Jesus' name the, the key that unlocks the Father's heart? No. Is Jesus' name the magic formula that gets your prayers answered? Is his name the lucky rabbit's foot? No. Why would we pray in Jesus' name? we we pray in Jesus name because it's through Jesus that we have access to the father without Jesus we could never get to god let me say that again without Jesus death on the cross and his resurrection without our faith in him we can't get to god Jesus opens up the pathway To our heavenly father. You see, God is holy and perfect and other. God cannot look on sin because holy cannot do that. So Jesus, why pray in his name? When you pray in the name of Jesus, you're praying in that pathway that Jesus has provided. You're praying in the character of Jesus. Jesus is the one that causes us to be his children, that allows us to crawl up on his lap and to call him Abba, Father. And when we tag Jesus' name on our prayers, we're also saying we want our prayers to be in line with the heart of Jesus. So... That's why the scriptures would encourage us in Jesus' name. He is the one that provides the pathway for us to get to the Father. Now, another question, and we're coming to the end of them, is why do we pray in public? Doesn't Jesus tell us to go in the closet, close the door, and pray? Why in the world are we sinning when we pray publicly? Because Jesus gave us these instructions. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Before he gives us the Lord's Prayer, he says this. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and in the street corners. That they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you... They have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Well, Jesus was speaking to a particular way that religious people were operating of the day. The hypocrites would pray publicly to look spiritual. Spiritual. And he said, that is absolutely wrong. Why is it okay to pray publicly? Because Jesus prayed publicly. How else would his disciples have wanted to emulate how he prayed? We know of public prayers at the death of Lazarus. He prays publicly for folks to here. So why would he say this? He he also, just by the word, our father means that he has us pray together. I don't know about you. I don't have a closet big enough for all of us to be in at the same time. So he invites us to pray corporately. Why go into your closet? Why shut the door? I believe it's to get rid of distractions. And if there's ever a time where we have been distracted as people, it is these days. Many of us can't put down our cell phones. Many of us don't want to be around any place that's totally silent because we don't handle that well. But the idea of shutting the door, I believe, is a sense of get rid of anything that would distract you from your conversation with your Heavenly Father to be 100% present when you pray. Now, those are just quick, you know, cliff note answers to a couple of the questions that I, Mike and I wanted to get to before we closed our time off. I do uh, appreciate the journey that we have been on as a congregation looking at prayer, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and unpacking the Lord's Prayer. I do think it is not a mistake that the one thing the disciples wanted to know, it wasn't how to change water into wine, wasn't how to heal blind people, it wasn't how to even raise the dead, it was we want with our Heavenly Father, the relationship and the communication that you have with your Heavenly Father. So we have learned, we have unpacked, and I would encourage you, may you begin each day with that vertical relationship coming before the presence of your heavenly Father that will prepare you for the horizontal life that we live in this world at such a time as this. And that we would like the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version, we would end with that vertical relationship, remembering for thine, O Lord, is the kingdom and it's coming. For thine is the power greater than anything that we have ever faced or will face. And thine is the glory that it ends. Good with you, Lord. May we live our lives in such a way. May we communicate to God in such a way that people would say, how do you pray like that? Teach me to do what you do because I want what you have. You think about that. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you that by Jesus' death and resurrection, he opened the way for us to come into the throne room and run and jump on your lap and pour out our hearts. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who has the power within us to do kingdom things. May we never forget and end our days because by faith in you, that's how we're going to end our lives. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know that, that's still living in that ending. Deliver me from temptations and from evil that's all around me. I don't know what to do. May they turn to you and know the kingdom, the power, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.